Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes, completely eradicating, not just reducing, completely eradicating. I believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for Mondays, not Fridays and get to do their most meaningful work. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices, which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Marius is the CEO of Tradelink.com and is building the largest B2B ecosystem in the Middle East and North Africa region. He is based out of Dubai in the UAE. In the interview, Marius shares about his childhood and how growing up in a family with six brothers set him up for continuous learning, competition and leadership. We also spoke about the very critical role purpose plays in bringing and then keeping people together when it comes to navigating a complex and unpredictable environment like the world we live in today. Hi, Marius. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Hi, Sumit. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, wonderful to have you here with us uh, today. And for our listeners, right, can you share a little bit about who you are and what do you do? Yes, of course. Um, so my name is Marius Chanvalam, and I am CEO of Trailing. Trailing is a B2B marketplace in the Middle East and North Africa. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And to uh, and to start with, right, can you share a little bit of your backstory, how you got where you are today? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a little bit about my background and how I actually got into this position. So, firstly, um, it would be good to know that I'm one of six brothers born and raised in a, on a farm in Malta, this little island on the Mediterranean Sea. My mother was a ceramist. My dad was uh, had a printing company and I come from a sort of middle class uh, family. So I had the basics to live. But, you know, coming from a considerably large family, you can imagine that I had to fight for what I what we wanted or, or what was uh, ours. Right. So otherwise you left with none. So. After my studies in business administration and working with my father, I wanted more and decided to take a leap of faith and I, I move out of Malta to a larger country that where there are more opportunities. And, you know, and so I chose Dubai. I came to Dubai around 15 years ago and uh, to join a startup company called soup.com. This is a B2C platform. 
I started off as an operations manager and over the span of a few years, I built the operations from the ground up for this company and uh, three generations, I've set up three generations of fulfillment centers in five different countries. Eventually we got sold, uh, we sold the business to Amazon and I worked for Amazon for three years, heading the logistics business in the MENA region. Um, I had around 4,500 people uh, under my care delivering around 30 million packages across a network of 28 delivery stations and four food centers in three different countries. It's been a great experience and I'm very passionate about e-commerce. Eventually I moved on and I got into B2B e-commerce when I joined Trailing. Um, uh, like I mentioned, Trailing is, uh, is the largest B2B marketplace in the Middle East and North Africa. Today I'm the CEO leading a team of around 323 people that share the same passion, that of shaping the future of trade and like and business power. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Uh, so six brothers, right? That's uh, that's a good family. Uh, but I'm quite curious, <laughs> how has that shaped your, your personality? How has that shaped your approach on leadership? Because leadership, uh, like uh, especially in large organizations like Amazon, yes, you have that competition. But in the end, it's also about uh, lifting people up, like helping everybody up rather than competing with them. So I'm quite curious to know how has that shaped you as a person and as a leader? Exactly. And there is our question because as you rightly so said, competition was very, from what's from the early start of my life, right? I'm number five of the six brothers. So it's so always competition within the family and six brothers. So I didn't, didn't have any sisters. And um, so like, I'm an operator at heart and I will always choose continuous improvement over a delayed perfection. This helped me a lot in gaining the skills that I have today. I like applying this growth mindset, always striving for more, if you like, always, um, you know, making tomorrow, today better than yesterday and so on. So, right? so it made the, uh, these small incremental improvements made regularly will eventually lead to something significant. And that has happened in my career. When I came to Dubai, I've gone into an, an industry that was very new to me. Moving from printing to e-commerce, um, at the early days of e-commerce, not many people knew e-commerce. So there wasn't so much information about e-commerce or people to, you can rely on in order to learn about e-commerce. There was no studies about e-commerce back then. So uh, I had to learn as I go, and, and that was mostly self-learning. So. But the way I've taken my learning, if you like, the approach I've taken was by teaching. And it's, yeah. it puzzled me in the beginning. Um, I've learned that the best way to learn is actually to teach, right? And when I started to practice it more and more, I came to believe that this is really true. Think about it. When you read something or you're listening to a podcast with the intent to teach or pay it forward, you automatically will memorize it. You will understand it more because you know that you're going to pay it forward. You're going to talk about it, right? It really works. Um, so that's how I've approached my learning, by teaching. I encourage my team to do the same because then it becomes like a snowball effect. Everybody, uh, that knowledge is being shared even faster if you like and better. And can you, uh, can you share one or two instances from your journey where you had to learn that or that created a challenge or that created a problem and then you had to navigate? Yes, of course. There are various examples um, I could bring up or situations. And 
And it's really putting into practice um, what, what you are learning. So uh, I can share an example of when I was uh, assigned to, to set up a sword center in, 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 in Dubai. And it was a difficult situation that I had where I, when I got into this role, um, assigned a, a, a sword center that I was about ownership or responsibility to, to run this. And, um, and I know that the team were pretty much determined for, to go ahead with the setup that they had already planned. And, and for me, Sword Center was something that was um, still very new uh, because I came from fulfillment and not a, an actually uh, a logistics business. So I needed to learn really fine. And, uh, and I thought, how am I going to help the team to go ahead with setting up this Sword Center when I don't know so much about it, but there was something wrong with the design and I could tell that as an operator, I see that there is a lot of waste in the process that they have put in place, but I don't know so much about, about um, sword centers. So I quickly did a lot of research and with the intent to pay it forward. And the way I learned this is that st starting off with limitations is never the right approach. And I remember that this sword center had a lot of barriers and a lot of walls and a lot of rooms and in we're in the business of logistics that needed to move products really having so many walls and divide and divisions and all of that does not really help so i've asked the team to to remove the plans for now and take a blank sheet it was a white a, a blank sheet that i gave my team each and then they had probably had around 10 people in, in, in this meeting and i gave them a pen and a paper each and i told them can you please design the ideal sword center with these parameters being basically the uh, you know the width and breadth basically of the the sword center each of them designed a sword center that was ideal to them was very similar to one another but very different to the sword center that they had proposed to me that we should go ahead with Hmm. And realize that um, from the learning that I've had, that you need to start off with being able to uh, to start off with, with without limitations in your mind. It really helped when I've applied this with my team, asking them to put it into practice. Um, I've paid forward what I've learned. The sort center that we ended up designing, launching, was closer to the design that the team had put together during this exercise that I've applied for the team, rather than the design that they had originally. And here's a perfect example, right? So the throughput and of the uh, uh, and the productivity of this sort center um, was more close, you know, to double the performance that they had originally planned. And here's a perfect example in a very short time where I've taken a learning if you like, that I've, um, or I've taught something that I've learned recently and I've applied it into practice with my team. It was a very tough decision because of a lot of responsibility, a um, um, few millions of dollars that were at play here to design the ideal sort center, you know, to, to, in order to reach certain productivity. So 
This is how I think, this is a, an example of how I think uh, teaching, learning by teaching, if you like, is a fantastic way uh, for continuous improvement in leadership. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that example. And that brings me to a very interesting uh, question, right? As you said, there are high stakes often uh, in business and projects. And then there is also a lot of pressure to deliver, a lot of pressure to make progress. And in that space, what you are sharing is you created a blank slate, basically, to help people to brainstorm or to really come up with something uh, totally new, but also what, what was without any constraints of their usual thinking, right? So, but in the busy environment, in the always seeking for the next milestone uh, pressure situation, how do you create that breathing space or how do you create that uh, even courage to say that let's slow down, let's take some time, let's revisit this, and then move forward. Yeah, I think um, part of the leadership, if you like, you know, is creating the safe environment and trusting teams. It, uh, when you create that environment, people will not shy away from speaking their mind for them to uh, say things that, uh, or ask questions that they they. Otherwise, would think it would be a silly question or a dumb question to ask, um, or they would feel humiliated, or they would feel that you know they're not good enough. So I think in my leadership style, I really promote this, where um, uh, we want to create a safe environment, with surrounded and be like with people that um, uh, trust each other. You know, where the, in, in such an environment, you can bring the best out of the people that you're surrounded by. This is the way I think, because at the end of the day, it's all about the people that you're surrounded by. Yeah. And uh, can you share, because what I have discovered is that, right, to be really able to trust somebody else or trust another team, you first of all, you have to have a very good grounding and trust in yourself. Uh, and especially as leaders, many of the projects or many of the, what you're doing is uh, something which you've never done before. So there is no certainty, right? And especially in the last two years with COVID and everything, we have seen that, Anyways, we cannot rely on what is predictable. Uh, so how do you see this balance of trusting yourself, but not on something which is predictable, but trusting of dealing with the unknown? And that, what I have seen is that allows you to trust others. Correct, correct. I think it excites me a lot. The fact that uh, you're entering an area of unknowns and you've got to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? Um, you've got to have trust in yourself and trust in the people that you are surrounded by. And that is kind of your safety net, right? And then what drives, if you like, uh, things forward is something that needs to be constant in, mm. you know, unpredictable world. And that would be the purpose. We must have a very clear purpose. People don't join us because of the fancy offices we have or, you know, the salaries we pay or anything of that sort, but it's mainly because of the purpose and what we're driven at. It's a bigger cause than just the role that one, one person is in, right? So I think it helps people navigate in an unpredictable environment where, you know, there's so many forces out there trying to change the future. What keeps us together is that common um, purpose, if you like, that everybody feels that they are a part of and mm. their contribution plays a key role. It's not 
um, yes, they may be doing something small within the bigger scheme of things, but that they, when the purpose is very clear to everybody, they don't think that they are uh, mm. doing that little job, but they're actually participating in a much bigger cause, bigger than them, bigger than the business, bigger. That's what we, I think at Trailing particularly, because we are doing what people have never really done before in our region. And, and there's the whole future of trade uh, in B2B e-commerce, if you think about it, right, is lagging behind B2C. And often we're asked the question, B2B will never pick up. B2B, why would we, why do you always have to have this human interaction in order for, you know, for trade to take place and all of that. Um, and what we see here is that mind, my, my mindset is changing, right? And what brings us together again is this this purpose. And we see that influence now, get, get, um, <laughs> the circle of influence is, is becoming greater and greater. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that piece about purpose. And I want to touch upon that. But before that, what I also loved, especially is that you spoke about excitement. And uh, a lot of people speak about the same thing with fear. And if you notice, fear and excitement have very similar sensations in the body. But in if one can uh, like put you into anxiety and take you away from forward momentum. And the second can actually help you move forward while learning rather than seeing everything as an obstacle or a challenge. So I, I loved uh, that and I can imagine how that also infuses the organization with uh, excitement rather than uh, like with anxiety of so much change and so much new things. Right. So thank you for sharing that part. I think if I may, it, it's got to do a little bit with the leadership that um, um, my, my team and I also foster a lot, right? We'd rather choose a trust and inspire kind of environment as opposed to a control, a command and control kind of environment. Right? The fear comes when you have an environment that's commanding and controlling, right? That's when, you know, people will be afraid to take an initiative because they could fail. And if they fail, this could impact their, their, their role or their career growth and all of these things. Right? When you have an environment that fosters trust and inspiration, right? you know, that they're that fear is gone and mm. they know that they're in an environment that it's okay to fail for as long as, you know, I, we don't fail twice on the same thing. We don't make this, the, the same mistake twice, right? Because then we become fools. But if failing is okay, to a certain extent, it's encouraged for as long as we learn from it and we are able to apply those learnings as part of our continuous improvement uh, approach, then, you know, you would be more people will take uh, more of initiative and less people would be afraid of failing. Absolutely. Yeah. And now as you, as you move ahead with purpose, as you move ahead in towards the next, uh, next, next phase, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see yourself either for you personally or for the organization itself? Yeah, um, I think we're always, including myself, work in progress, right? And this, you know, we're never a finished product, whether it is uh, the platform or leaders, if you like, in this environment. There are so many forces out there that are trying to shape the future. You've got to be ahead as much as possible of those trends and those forces. And, um, and so, 
again, there's continuous learning and improvement. It's something that, you know, it's one way to overcome those challenges that we will be faced with. Um, the challenges would be various. Some of them could be internal, some of them could be external. But some of the challenges we face are also self-inflicted, right? And, um, and that's kind of one of the learnings that I've also had uh, this year, where we create our own challenges, we create our own problems. And because we're in a very, uh, let's say, new industry, there are so many opportunities that are being presented to us. And it is important to say no to so many things in order to do well on those few things, if you like, you know, that you say yes to. And that's something that I would recommend and advise everybody as a leader uh, to take this approach by, yeah, it's okay to say no, especially when you're a startup. Actually, you need to say no to so many things more often than you say yes. But those things that you say yes to, you know, you want to do them really well. And that way helps you stand out. And it helps you come across, it helps you to overcome the challenges that life throws at you. Thank you. Thank you for adding that. I think uh, like one of the most important skills for any leader is to is how to say no. And unless you can say no, uh, to what is not important, you cannot really prioritize what is important. And then that has a direct impact on not just your own productivity and skills, but also everybody else, because you are also leading by example. So you're setting the example of what is accepted and what is not accepted as well. Can you share a bit more about what you said about challenges being self-inflected or uh, to see something as a challenge or as a problem or as an opportunity? How do you navigate that, right? Once you are faced with a challenge or once you realize that you have made a mistake, how do you navigate and recover that? Yeah. Um, it all depends on how you look at it, right? A challenge is a challenge. It remains a challenge for as long as you want it to be a challenge. But if you look at a challenge as an opportunity to improve or be better, um, or, you know, then it's no more a challenge. A challenge could be in the world of continuous improvement, for example, right? It's all about fixing things that are not even broken, right? Making things better. That could be the challenge itself. It doesn't have to be a catastrophic challenge, right? It could be that much of a challenge that you would like to you take it on as an opportunity um, uh, to improve. Then, of course, there are challenges that, you know, you were all faced with. Uh, which we may not necessarily have control over, but what we have control over is how we respond to those challenges, right? Um, and both in our personal lives as well as any business, right? So the way we navigate, or the way I'd like to navigate the challenge is to break it down into small bites. And understand uh, how, again, you know, those little bites could be addressed. Again, adopting the, this mindset of continuous improvement, fixing those small bites, if you like, or those small challenges, breaking up a big challenge, small challenges of fixing will lead into uh, addressing the overall challenge that, um, that, that, that we'll be faced with. I think that's one way to go about it, which makes it less overwhelming and more manageable. And it's something that you can also celebrate uh, small wins. 
everybody likes to celebrate small wins, especially as a team. So rather than think about it in business, you can have a yearly target, which is great, but you will spend all year working towards reaching that target. And you may or may not re- uh, meet that target, but if you do meet that target, you're going to celebrate at the end of the year when you when you've met the target, right? Many people will get demotivated. Many people will get overtired, overwhelmed, and probably drop off throughout that journey trying to meet that long-term target, if you like, which is let's say one year. If you break that down, that target in uh, quarterly, weekly, sorry, monthly, weekly, daily in small pieces, right? That becomes then, uh, if you're able to achieve a much smaller target, whether it is uh, daily uh, or weekly, for example, then you have the opportunity to celebrate. You have the opportunity to adjust. You have the opportunity to um, make the necessary improvements for the next week, for example, um, to be better, right? At meeting the target or overachieving it. So I think that would be one a great way to um, to navigate you know such challenges. Yes, thank you for uh, adding that. Right, that as a leader, how you have to be zoomed out and see the big picture, but then also zoom in and divide it into smaller chunks so that people can digest it and it can be uh, processed easily. But also then celebrating those small wins because that builds confidence, that builds momentum, and that keeps people going. Thank you for uh, adding that. And as we begin to wrap this up, you spoke about excitement earlier. Can you share some something else about your life which you're excited about, but which most people are unaware of? Well, um, as I said, I'm very passionate about e-commerce and you know I do read e-commerce <laughs> on a daily basis. So I'm really excited about what about the times ahead of us. And um it is incredible to see what, when people come together, work towards a common purpose and they are empowered and enabled and they're in a safe environment, if you like, that they're, where, you know, we foster more um, trust and inspiration. It's, there's so much that we can achieve and we've got so many great initiatives that are lined up. Here is an opportunity that we're able to give our customers what they've never thought they needed. And I know it's a very bombastic statement to make, right? Um, But that is the exciting part of what we do. And I have the privilege to be leading a team that's driving these initiatives uh, where we're really making a difference in the industry that we are in. So I'm excited about the times ahead of us. And um, and I think I'm looking forward to how things will, will, will unfold. Wonderful. I'm loving how you're using certain words like excitement or learning. And now you use the word privilege, which is such a different take uh, to leadership rather than power or responsibility or a burden, which many people feel. And I can also see it in your body language, like you don't have, you're not burdened or you don't see it as a weight on your shoulders. So it's a privilege. But at the same time, you have that lightness, which allows you to learn, to admit your mistakes and to continuously improve, as you said, right? So I love the word privilege because I do see leadership as a privilege and as an honor uh, rather than as a position of power or authority over somebody else. So, Absolutely. Uh, 
I, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean it, right? Because I prefer to be the serving CEO than the commanding CEO. And, and I often tell my team, I am the biggest cheerleader of them. They often make fun of me because I say that, but, um, but I think, uh, again, really privileged to be surrounded by a great team that, you know, just, they don't, they have a lot of passion and you can see it in, in their work and in their behavior at the office. Absolutely. I can imagine. Right. And maybe one last question to finish it up because uh, you're talking about opportunity, you're talking about a better world, but at the same time, we are going through a period of a recession looming and a lot of bad stories in the media. How would you, or what advice would you give to an entrepreneur, to a leader who is struggling to deal with the responsibility, right? The en enormous stakes that are for any leader and to maintain the lightness, to maintain uh, that uh, sense of privilege, uh, to learn, to continue to move forward. And as you said, right, to be cheering their team rather than to be a source of pulling everybody down by the weight of it. Of course, it all depends again on how you look at it, right? As, um, uh, the recession that many people are talking about, of course, is very negative and has a significant impact impact on, on businesses and people's lives in general, right? Um, and we will get through these difficult times like we've done before, right? The, uh, you know, better times will, will, will come. But we've also got to be sensitive to what's happening. Right. And it would be foolish if we do not change our plans accordingly. And this is what I like to call situational uh, leadership. Right? The situation requires a change of course, perhaps, on hiring, funding, expansion, and all of that. And it's okay. You know, that's why we're in these positions to take those bold uh, decisions at times like these. But what I would give advice to entrepreneurs and leaders is at times like this is when your team need you the most. They need you to be strong, of course. They need you to be there. They need you to be you're, you're the ray of hope, if you like, you know, that things will get better because they will, right? For as long as, you know, it, there's a lot of communication and the change of plans and strategy, if you like, you know, that the business is taking. And to be very um, vulnerable and humble during difficult times, right? That's when it's, uh, I think, because again, you can only get through difficult times as a business with your team, right? You, and that's when, you know, your team need you the most when times are tough. Right? So that's, I think, this is what I would say to enter this period of, uncertainty and uh, recession, if you like. Don't lose hope and make sure you look after your team. Thank you. Thank you, Marius, for sharing that uh, wonderful advice. And I'm sure that, like your childhood, has uh, something to shape that uh, that outlook, that things get better or things move on. Because I don't have a lot of siblings, but I have uh, 12, 12 or 14 cousins. And I can relate in that space, right, how much uh, dynamic it can be. But then that also prepares you for life and leadership in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So before we end, right, anybody who is listening who wants to reach out, find out more about you, where you are headed, what you are up to with your organization, what is the best way for them to get in touch? 
Well, look me up on uh, LinkedIn. I think that would be a good way to reach out. Um, uh, my name is Marius Chavalan and happy to connect with anybody who, you know, like to share any ideas or thoughts and I'm available and uh, I look forward to connect with uh, as many people as possible. Thank you. Thank you once again, Marius, for everything that you shared. And I want to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. And I hope you continue to enjoy the privilege and as well as continue to learn, as you said, right, by teaching. It's uh, so wonderful to hear that. Thank you so much, Sumit. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come, and have big dreams for the future. Please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.